What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is a Dynasty episode. We've got another great industry guest joining us today. I am Adam Azer, joined by Heath Cummings, who's having a rough morning. First of all, he selected the wrong thing in the Twitter poll. He clicked on the wrong name in one of my Twitter polls, and you can't get that back. You cannot get that vote back. So that was bad. But also, he just found out that he made this guest... Matt Price, well, I'll introduce to you soon. Wake up mega early because he didn't know he was on the West Coast. So rough morning for you, Heath. Really missed opportunity for you, Adam. I thought you were going to take a jab at uh, my Celtics. And I have oh. a an Azer-level bad sports take um, whenever, like, later in the show. Because people don't care to hear about that now. What happened to the Celtics? Jalen Brown, that thing? Jalen Brown's out. They're, they're in the play-in game. It doesn't really matter. And my bad take is that the Celtics should tank the rest of their season, including the two play-in games, to get a better draft pick. Oh yeah, I, I, you're, you're probably that's very Doug Peterson of you, and you're you're probably right. Let's uh, let's bring on our guest. He's Matt Price of Dynasty League Football. He's a senior writer for Dynasty League Football, and he's the co-host of the DLF Dynasty po- Dynasty podcast. And he is a good sport. Joining us super early in the morning for him out on the West Coast. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Heath and Adam. I'm really excited to be here. Um, love the show and uh, excited to talk some Dynasty, especially rookies, man. Yeah, thank you. I, and I uh, I love all the content you guys uh, create. And I was in a Dynasty, a short-lived Dynasty League with the DLF guys um, and uh, finished in second place. So, woo! And that was nice. one year of a Dynasty League. We were unable to keep it going. It's challenging. You know, Dynasty Leagues are challenging. You got to get buy-in. You got to... You, how many are you in? And, uh, you know, if people out there want to start one, talk about the commitment that it takes. You got to make sure you get the right people that are willing to keep it going. It, it really is all about the group. And, you know, those of us that that do that, that put out content, we have it a little bit easier because, we you know, we can kind of pick and choose our league mates, you know. Uh, like, like I play with a very, I wouldn't say a very select group, and I do have people that come in new. Uh, but, you know, we have a little bit broader reach so we can really handpick the, the, the group of people that we're going to play with. 
Uh, it's obviously a little more difficult for, uh, you know, just your average Joe out there on, on Twitter following all of us. Uh, but we but there are resources. The Dynasty League football forums are a great place to go to to find people that have been – you can tell that have been around the block for for a while. And those people that have more experience are typically the ones that are going to stick around a little bit longer. Uh, but, yeah, you know, if it's a, just a bunch of people that you uh, are not – you know nothing about, then it can be difficult. Another good resource is safeleagues.com. Our buddy Scott Fish, uh, he, he is the commissioner of those. I'm sure everybody – I don't really need to introduce Scott Fish. No. <laughs> but uh, if you want a legit commissioner service, then that's a great place to go as well. And, and you know that you're going to get taken care of there. And how and many I dynasties? I think it's really oh. nice of Matt – um, for you to not tell Adam that that dynasty league is actually still going and thriving, <laughs> they just kicked Adam out of the, out of the league. It was short lived for him. And uh, I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in 15, and I commissioned. I'm a commissioner for four of them, so okay. it's it's it de- it's definitely it's definitely a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. Uh, and I've been playing dynasty for almost more than 20 years now at this point, I think. Um, so I come up with crazy league ideas. Like I have a, a couple of a few charity based leagues that are called the red list leagues where uh, we donate uh, about about 30 percent of the money every year to different wildlife conservation organizations. Uh, and those are what we call double copy leagues. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but basically, let's say there's 24 teams in the league then there are two copies of every single player. So uh, it allows you to have more trade partners. So like, let's say I want to go trade for Najee Harris, right? Uh, this person says, no, I'm not trading him for anything. You can go to the next guy that has him and, and send him a similar offer. And then sometimes that even spurs on uh, more activity in the league because what you see one person make a trade for a player and they're like, somebody else is like, oh, I, 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 would, I would pay that for that particular player. So all of a sudden it can set off these chain reactions of trades and kind of increase the activity in the league. That is so interesting, a double copy league. So... Do you have any any specific memories of playing a team that had a lot of the same players that were on your team? Oh my gosh, we have five of the same starters. Yeah, it does work out that way uh, sometimes. Where the league, where you meet a, a team in the playoffs that has, you know, there's like like four or five diff- of your ten starters or whatever are are in common. So you're really playing like a five man fantasy game at that point. So yeah, that definitely happens. Yeah, Heath, you can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't want to intimidate people too much on Dynasty Leagues. There's one good thing about Dynasty Leagues. If you are in a lot of them or if you're in a lot of Fantasy Leagues and you want to start doing a Dynasty League, I think they require uh, less time during the season, less uh, the waiver wire specifically, because the rosters are so deep. So you're probably not spending so much time on Tuesday night making waiver claims, which can be... Uh, quite a chore if you're in a lot of fantasy leagues. It could take you well over an hour to make your waiver claims. The dynasty leagues, for me, are the ones that uh, take the least amount of time. Fair? I I think that can be fair, depending on, like, there's a wide range of roster requirements and stuff like that. And if anything, like, you kind of, if you're in a league where you've got 40 roster spots and you're not really changing out that much for need in a specific week you are still trying to find somebody that's going to help you a month from now or a year from now or two years from now on the waiver wire. So like the thing that I've moved towards, because I, I think I don't even know actually how many leagues I have. I, I was able in January to walk away from like three and I was so proud of myself and I've <laughs> added three since then. Um, but the last three I've added have been actually dynasty best ball leagues. Uh-huh. And the reason, because like, and two of two of those don't even have weekly waivers. Like your roster is your roster going into week one. Um, so that's that's a way that I can add more leagues and still keep my sanity. Okay. 
Well, we are going to talk about Matt's rankings. We got some Twitter polls to kind of gauge. I wanted to gauge where people are on some of the top running backs and some of the top wide receivers, not just the rookies, but comparing. Would you rather have Najee Harris or Dalvin Cook in a dynasty league? Uh, you know, with the age difference being about three years, uh, those types of questions. Would you rather have Devontae Adams or Jamar Chase? So, you know, we'll we'll get into some of those Twitter polls that I posted today, this morning. Um, some buy lows and sell highs in dynasty leagues. If we have time, we'll try to get to your emails. I failed on that yesterday. Probably going to fail on that today. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. But we will dedicate some time this week to your emails and your Apple podcast questions. So please keep them coming. Matt, what did you think about the NFL draft just in general um, in terms of its impact in fantasy? You know, now that I've settled and, and marinated on a little bit, I, I feel a lot better about it, at least in terms of, of, of fair fantasy purposes, right? Uh, you know, during the draft, uh, most of the landing spots were kind of disappointing. You know, I feel like a bunch of them landed in places where we're going to have questions, especially with, uh, we'll get into it, but outside of the top four to five players in a, in a one quarterback league, you know, there's there's just questions everywhere uh, for me. But the more and more you look at it, you know, they they do have these question marks, but it is it does it does start to feel a little bit deeper. I think you can get down into the the late end of the first round in a in a rookie draft, you know, early second round pick, and still have players that you feel reasonably good about. They're definitely going to have question marks still still, but the longer I've, I've thought about it, the the better I feel about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Was there a rookie that went? later than you thought that you really like? Yeah, I would say um, Diami Brown is was one I could I could throw out there. You know, he was, a, he was at one point in the offseason, he was up to like wide receiver six for me. Uh, and he definitely went later in the draft. I don't have his exact draft pick off the top of my head, but, you know, landed in a good spot where he's going to be across from a, a player that we already know is kind of the alpha one. And he has Brian Fitzpatrick who's going to throw the ball all over the field. So Diami Brown averaged over 20 yards per catch in college. So if he can be that deep threat and that that kind of that, that DGAF guy, as it were, for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, then I think that could work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went 82nd overall to Washington. And I think he averaged 20 yards per catch every year in college very yeah, consistently yeah. impressive yeah uh, and there was first round buzz on him who's that one player that might sneak into the first round Javante mm-hmm. Williams got a lot of buzz and Deami Brown got a little buzz as well out of UNC uh, Heath how about you is there a rookie that went later than you thought that you really like yeah I don't know that I can really say that right now just because I do think draft capital matters a lot but i will say like the thing the main thing and we, we talked about it a little bit already and I, I wonder matt's take on this like i thought the biggest takeaway from this draft was we thought this running back class was weak and the nfl liked it less than we did <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's just it, there are situations where guys like um michael carter or trey sermon could end up in a in a good role to where we like him for a couple of years but i i just don't know that there's more than two two and a half meaningful starters for fantasy purposes at running back yeah matt where are you at on javante williams because that's that's the one i mean people seem pretty on board with harris and etn but that's the one that i think causes a lot of split so javante williams being drafted early in the second round by the denver broncos and what do you think I mean, I would have liked it better if he went to Miami, but uh, I don't think it's a terrible, <clears throat> excuse me, a terrible spot. Uh, Melvin Gordon was, you know, serviceable in 2020, and he'll probably be serviceable again. But Javante Williams played in a committee with col- in college with Michael Carter, so he's not going to be a stranger to that. And I think it's going to be pretty pretty clear out of the gate that 
that at this point in his career, I don't think Melvin Gordon does necessarily anything better uh, than Javante Williams will be. Probably pass blocking. He's got more experience in that, right? And he's a bit of an underrated receiver. But Javante Williams can do those things too. So at the beginning, I'm sure it'll be a committee. But you know, if Melvin Gordon slips up at all, if if he has any kind of nagging injury, you could definitely see Javante Williams taking over there. I do think he's a bit of a you know, about maybe a half a tier to a full tier below uh, Etienne and Harris. But I still think he's a fine pick, especially in the middle of one quarterback rookie drafts. Looking at your rankings, and, and, and he's and he's right. He's the last one that we really care about. You, we can talk about Michael Carter and Dre Sermon and the other guys, but. Those three are really the only ones we're going to care about for fantasy, uh, at least this season, I think. Okay, I'm looking at your tiers right now and your rankings, and there's somebody in the Javante Williams tier, which is the third tier, uh, that that is interesting, that I had not seen this high. So I, uh, I look forward to talking about that. But actually, I have to ask you about your main job. Okay, when you're not talking yeah. dynasty, you are a zookeeper. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Okay, so what exactly? Give me the the day to day operations of a zookeeper. I mean, it's it's in charge of everything uh, for for animal husbandry and healthcare, everything from feeding and cleaning to uh, training for medical procedures, taking animals to the hospital for medical procedures, doing public uh, interactions, presentations, and training sessions, and things like that. So, basically, anything you can think about to do with a zoo animal. Uh, and for me, that's uh, it's a wide variety. I work on a team that has everything from polar bears to the smallest gazelle in the world. Excuse me, the smallest antelope in the world. Uh, so it's really runs the gamut. And yeah, I could be working with the largest uh, land carnivore in the world, or I could be working with you know the smallest uh, herbivore in the world. So it's a pretty v- wide variety of stuff I get to work with. The amount of stories that you must have. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't absolutely. Even know, I don't even know where to begin. We should do a podcast about this now. It probably. I, what's do you the, want a quick story? Yeah, oh, yeah. yes. It doesn't even have to be that quick. Go ahead. It, it's, it, it, <laughs> we were a, a few years ago. Uh, a buddy of a buddy of mine were we were at the I think the Holiday Bowl. Uh, we were watching a football game, and we and he turned over to me and said, "How many people in this stadium do you think?" also work with polar bears and lions and, and he, we were like we're probably the only one right and then we took it further than that uh i i posted something like how many people today had polar bear pee in their eye today and i wonder how many people in the world had that in that specific day you know when you think about the seven billion people in the world uh you know how many more people had that and that came during a training session we had a bear that had a a bit of uh, uh, a growth in her in her area in her in her region, okay. <laughs> as it were. So we had to train her to us to allow us to collect samples uh, from that area and also pl- apply like a topical medication. And she didn't like the way I was I was touching that area, I guess. And uh, she turned around and took a swipe and got some. And she had just peed in that location, so of course I had didn't have a face shield on and got some of that right right in the eye. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> just another, just another day at the day at the office. Just another day, just another day. That is what. Okay, the, uh, more more zookeeper questions later. Did you see the sure, story yeah. about this leopard that is on the loose in China? <laughs> I haven't heard about okay, that yeah, one. I heard one. about the tiger that's on the loose in Houston, though. Apparently, that oh, that's some not, private owner has. That's not good either. By my house yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. What, 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 what? Really? No. Oh, okay. In Houston. <laughs> uh, yeah, authorities in eastern China are hunting for the last of three leopards that escaped from a safari park. Oh, wow. So what do you do if an animal escapes? 
Uh, well, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get off of zoo grounds. Like that's the first step is that it shouldn't, first it shouldn't get out of its enclosure, its habitat, but it also should not get out of the entire zoo. Right. So at that point, then you have, then I think local authorities do become involved. Hopefully they do include the zoo uh, because they're the ones that know the animals uh, and they're the ones that are going to administer. Hopefully they're going to administer um, some, some sedatives so, uh, so that we can safely recover the animal. But, you know, there are some animals that are on, I mean, I can go into so much. There are animals that are on, uh, uh, on the do not ask list in terms of like, if you can shoot to kill, uh, if it's a dangerous animal, the, uh, uh around people, the animals, unfortunately always going to lose that situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 they, t they typically like, especially if it's not a leopard, if it's an animal, like a, like some hoofstock, like a gazelle or an antelope or something, they get out of the exhibit and they're like, oh my gosh, where am I? Where am I? What is going on? I don't know oh. the surroundings. I just want to get back in. You find them like trying to figure out how to jump back in. But with a leopard or something like that, you definitely have to use some anesthesia and try to take it down with the tranquilizer dart or something. Uh, if you can avoid, you know, shooting the animal for, for real. Okay, well, well, we'll get some more fun, uplifting stories. Yeah, there, were a lot of down, there were a lot of questions I could have asked, and I asked <laughs> definitely the wrong one. Uh, listen, everybody, you got to know what's on CBS Sports HQ this week. CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day and make fun of the Celtics with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern. On Wednesday, NFL experts will be breaking down the 20. 21 schedule. We'll be doing that on our podcast too. And our cappers will be making Preakness picks ahead of Saturday's race. So check out HQ on your computer on cbsports.com or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free and it's always on. Heath, I uh, I did a fun game with my friends last weekend. At last minute, I assigned all of them and their spouses a Kentucky Derby horse and me and my spouse as well. And I won. I signed all of the ones that had a shot to win, and my horse won. But do you think I need to cede the title because of the PEDs? We actually were out to dinner um, as a family, and we all chose a horse. Um, we were getting ready to watch, and my wife won. And I've already told her that <laughs> she not only had to cede her title, but she has been banned from future competition <laughs> for choosing a horse that was dope. Okay, then I will take it half that way. I will give up the title, but I'm not banning myself from future competition. Heath, I want you just just give me your quick thoughts on the news and notes so we can get back to Dynasty. Jacksonville is going to sign Tim Tebow to play tight end. He's 33 years old, but they're talking about using him in different ways do you think tim tebow could actually be a goal line vulture let's get back to dynasty <laughs> it, it wouldn't shock me it's all i'm saying I, I, yeah i i remember like it seems like when i was on the fantasy baseball podcast we used to have these com conversations do you think tim tebow could do this do you think tim tebow like it, it's tight end I think I saw that the um, the betting markets have set his over under for receiving yards this season at twelve and a half, and it's even money. <laughs> so wow. the, the most likely scenario has to be that Tim Tebow doesn't um, play real football. But yeah. if he does, anything is possible. He's got that connection with Urban Meyer, and that seems to be as important, if not more important, than anything else. Indianapolis is going to sign left tackle Eric Fisher to a one-year $9.4 million deal. They need to replace the retired Anthony Costanzo. This is a great signing of a veteran left tackle, but he did tear his Achilles in the AFC Championship game, and there's some question about whether or not Fisher will be ready for week one. I, 
Yeah, I would be shocked, but um, I guess that's a little easier injury for linemen than um, for running backs and receivers. But that's still at his age. Maybe he's a, he may be somebody that could help him in the second half, though. And Falcons running back coach Desmond Kitching said it is basically said it's an open competition at running back. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see if they add anybody before the Eagles do. So that's all the Eagles do these days. All right, Matt, let's talk about your rankings for for one quarterback leagues. You gave us some rankings for one quarterback dynasty leagues, and it's just the rookies. And Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are in the top tier. So discuss. Yeah, I just think these are the two players that we. I mean, I'm sure you, if you want to nitpick, you can come up with question marks for them. But these two, I think, far and away are the players that are the most talented at their position uh, and that just just feel the safest for Jamar Chase. You know, it's been said a million times, one of the best prospects since, Amar- since Amari Cooper. There's not really any any holes in his game. The only thing you can really nitpick is that we didn't see him in 2020, right? So is, is he the same player? It seems like he probably is. We know that play uh, wide receivers especially if they produce when they are younger then they are more likely to succeed in the nfl uh so and and he's reunited with his college quarterback sometimes i think that is overrated you know going back to like i don't remember when andrew luck drafted uh they also drafted kobe fleener and we thought oh kobe fleener reunited (laughs) with andrew luck it's going to be 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 everything we thought it was going to be uh but but <laughs> in this particular situation i do think it, it it will matter for these guys it seems like more and more at least we want to at least i'd like to think that more and more of the nfl teams are starting to include their franchise quarterbacks in their decision making process so hopefully he had a a bit of a say in that and getting chase on the team and then with kyle pitts i mean he's <laughs> he's the best tight end prospect of of, of ever that I, since i've been playing this game uh and he walks into a situation where I just don't know what they're going to do. What are defenses going to do with that passing passing offense? You've got to have your two top corners probably on on Julio if he's going to stick around and Calvin Ridley and in Pitts is he's he's too fast for the linebackers. He's too big for the for the cut for the for the you know the third corner and the the safeties. So he's he's going to eat I think. And and another another part of Pitts there is Matt Ryan has been leading the league in attempts uh, basically for the last several years, 626 last season pass attempts, 608 or more in each of the last 3 seasons and 197 targets last year went to Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage. So I know Julio missed about 7 games, so that that'll, that number will come down, but there's there's plenty of targets there for for Kyle Pitts to succeed in year 1 despite uh you know the the stigma that tight ends take forever to produce. I think we have to get off of that with a guy like Pitts who is basically a receiver the only the only designation there is that he is a tight end and you know if we're going to treat him like a wide receiver that can come in and and produce right away and just ignore that tight end designation then I think we'll be pretty successful with him this season so you think he'll have a big rookie year you know, big is big is strong uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah I think I think basically if he comes out and and finishes as a top 12, top 10 tight end. He's going to be the tight end one in Dynasty next season. He's 11 years younger than Travis Kelsey. George Kittle has, you know, some some ability, some inability to stay healthy at times. So I just don't think there's much of a chance for failure for Pitts at this point. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's not really a big ass to finish as a back end tight end one. It, it basically, on a weekly basis, if you score a touchdown, you're a tight end one, right? So, 
uh, I think he can come in and be that that top ten, maybe even top eight or top six tight end in year one. And and this, I think, like Pitts' ranking amongst the tight ends is one of the thing that highlights what I've said is we need to almost have two sets of rankings: one for teams that are playing for a 2021 title, and one for teams that are not. Yeah. But like I agree with you completely. I would not be surprised at all if he's the number one dynasty tight end at the end of this year. I struggled with where he should be at the beginning of this year. Um, I've currently got a number three amongst the tight ends. I've got a number three in my rookie rankings as well. Like it's it, funny because I noticed you had three tiers um, encompassing the first five, like first five players. Five of those six are in my top six. So there's not really much difference there. I kind of view them all as in a similar tier, but I do agree with you about Chase. Like he's the clear number one for me, unless you're playing in a super flex or a tight end premium. I, th- I think th- for me, the, it's it's just it's about it's it's a little bit of FOMO I guess it's a little bit of fear of missing out because we have we have pretty good wide receivers and running backs almost every single year but how often do we get a tight end like this it just it just doesn't happen so while people are saying you know it's an outlier you know don't spend the, the, the top pick on a guy like that but you know that that's the biggest positional difference making uh, uh play, potentially the biggest difference making player that we're going to have in, in this in this rookie draft right and if you had Travis Kelsey for all five years where he finished five years straight as tight end one uh I mean that, that that's that's worth a number one overall pick to me so oh yeah it, it, it's it's just like I don't want to you can say all of the things it never works out for tight end tight end year one all of these things but do you really want to miss out on a player like that when the other positions, you know, the running backs, in my opinion, are not up to snuff compared to the 2020 class. And Jamar Chase is at the wide receiver position. But after that, like, I, I don't see an argument for for taking any of the other players over Pitts. It's really interesting. So so where would you guys take Pitts um, right now in a startup dynasty league if you're drafting all tight ends? Uh, Heath, give me your top four. Um, In a... St- I'm sorry if I'm, I'm drafting yeah. all tight ends. Well, I'm saying that it's not just among, obviously he's the number one rookie. Where tight is end. Kyle Pitts in our t- tight end dynasty yeah. rankings? Mm-hmm. I've got him at number three behind. Um, I, I have Kittle and Kelsey ahead of him, but I basically have Kittle, Kelsey, Pitts, Andrews, and Waller all in a pretty similar range. Okay. And Matt, how about you? I think I've got him one, man. I know that seems extreme, but we're part of part of fantasy football and part of of dynasty especially is projecting forward so where is that player going to be valued a year from now right so you know kelsey cannot increase his value george kittle is is kind of you know close to maxing out he could take over the number one uh uh, position with, with another year even if kelsey finishes the tight end one again he's not going to increase his value right so especially in early in dynasty drafts where you're going to have to take a player like kyle pitch you want to take players that are not that they're going to have a chance to increase in value uh, at the same time the following year. So that's why I have him number one is just because of of that projection and, and where I think he's going to be because he really, he has to like get injured and miss the entire season or just completely fall on his face for him not to uh, increase in value in my opinion. Okay, the next tier, uh, so tier one is Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. The next tier is just two players. They're both running backs and they went back to back of the NFL draft and you have ETN and Harris. Do you have a strong preference between the two? I, I I personally have a slight preference for ETN just because I think his long term out, outlook is a little bit better. You look at the roles for 2020, and if you're if you're in a dynasty league, if you're if your goal is to take the player and flip him the following year based on what he did in 
in his rookie season, then I think Harris is the pick because you know he's going to get the volume in year one. But after that, like if, if Ben retires, that offensive line is terrible. Where is that team in 2021 with, without all of that? So I think he has a has potential to, to, to have a worse sophomore year. Uh, than Travis Etienne. Uh, Etienne is going to, you know, presumably be sharing the backfield with, with uh, uh, James Robinson. At least, you know, from the start. You know, Urban Meyer has said that they drafted Etienne as a third down back, which, you know, I, I would not believe that they spent a, first, a late first round pick on him, right? So, uh, he's probably going to be more involved than we think he is. But for year one, he could potentially produce less than Harris. The other thing I'll say about that, though, is that Harris is, I think, a back that is going to need the volume that he's going to receive, whereas ETN is kind of that home run threat, and he can succeed from fantasy on much on a much lower uh, uh, rush share or carry share, right? So uh, it, it's it's I think it's possible that both of them have similar numbers at the end of the season, but ETN has done it on on a, on a smaller workload. And Heath, if you have the you have a pick in your dynasty draft, they're both on the board. Who are you going with? Yeah, I, I'm taking Harris kind of for the reasons that Matt said. I do think he'll be better in year one, and I do think there's a pretty good chance at the end of year one his value relative to ETN's has gone up. But I don't necessarily disagree. Like I think ETN has the higher long term upside, but Harris has quite a bit more upside this year. And when you're talking about running backs, especially running backs coming into the league as old as these guys are their window might only be five years. So, so year one for me is pretty important. Okay. So let's go to the third tier. So it's chase and Pitts in tier one, ETN and Harris in, in tier two. This is interesting. Now you go waddle Javante Williams, Devante Smith. And I teased this a little earlier, a name that I don't typically see a group with these guys is Rashad Bateman, who was a first round pick wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. So waddle Javante Williams, Devante Smith and Rashad Bateman. Why do you have Bateman in that tier? I actually have moved him down just one spot, but to the next tier. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, I think from a talent standpoint, he belongs with those guys. And and if you're going to ask the question mark, look at the question marks for each of these players. You know, Bateman has. For me, the question with Bateman is is, is the volume issue, right? Uh, but the reason why I had had moved him up briefly was. I made this mistake with AJ Brown. I know I, I was like AJ Brown went to a bad situation and probably a low volume passing offense with Derrick Henry there and the offense centered around him. And, you know, I missed out on AJ Brown a lot. So that, that kind of scarred me a little bit. So not that, not that Lamar Jackson is going to take off and, and, you know, throw the ball as much as, you know, like have, have a huge transition, like, like Josh Allen, Allen did this year. But I do want to believe that they're going to open up it a little bit. They wouldn't have, I don't think they would have spent the pick on Bateman if they wanted to continue doing exactly the same thing so uh you know it gives them that reliable receiver that can be used all over the field and i've always wanted lamar jackson to get kind of that reliable veteran that's going to be open when he knows he's going to be open because i think jackson is a better passer than we've given him credit for so far it's just the offense that he's in and what he's asked to do right now so uh it, it, he's kind of in the middle there between those th those two receivers and the running back and then the next big group for me so I, I could go either way but right now i did move him down into that next group yeah, yeah, I, yeah I just I don't know what to do with that whole like long term the whole situation. I mean, yeah. I do think that the the likely odds are that he's going to beat out Marquise Brown for the number one wide receiver in targets. Within, I don't know that it'll happen in year one, just because, like you said, the volume is so low. His number of opportunities to to really make that impact and and prove to Lamar Jackson that he's the guy is, is smaller. 
than an, an offense that's throwing it 40 times a game. Right. He was getting seven targets a game as the third guy. He could make that transition a little bit quicker, I think. I But I still believe, and this goes back into where I have Andrews as far as in the tight end rankings, I still believe that Mark Andrews is likely to be Lamar Jackson's number one target for as long as he's there. So if we're talking about the number two target in an offense that's going to run the ball 500 times, I, I get a little less excited. But I do think like Bateman's profile is fan- puts him in this category. This is really a test of how much landing spot matters to you and how good we are at predicting what landing spot's going to be two to three years from now. A hundred percent. And one thing I will say is, you know, I, th- I think it was 30% of the targets that Marquise Brown had over the second half of the season. It might be a little bit less than half the season, but I do think that if Bateman had that same amount of target, same target share, he would probably do more with it at this point, you know, you know, minus the deep balls and stuff like that. If they were to connect on that, obviously that's going to inflate Marquise Brown's stats. But, you know, if Bateman has that kind of target share, then I think he can be fantasy relevant. Yeah. Heath, you said that maybe he he belongs. I, I would just I I would push back that he belongs in the same tier as Waddle and Smith. Yeah, because and and I I said this uh, I said this I think right after the draft I think the night we did the first show or the second I don't remember um, that my first three picks in the draft would be would be Chase Smith Waddle in some order. But I would amend that to say Pitts put Pitts in there. I. Th- I think I might go with four non-running backs before Harris or Etn. That's I want I want to know what you guys think about that because you know you're playing the long game, but I understand that I understand that running backs can just have a bigger impact, right? Especially a guy that could be a three-down running back. You know, Harris has so much potential, and I I love the landing spot, but um, I just I'm really excited about Chase Chase Smith and Waddle. I think they could be stars. And I feel, I just wonder, you know, do you just go best player available? Like these guys are, are better prospects than the two running backs. Um, and then obviously Pitts, you know, it's an easy case to make. But but Matt, you know, what what do you think about that idea of taking four non-running backs before uh, before ETN or Harris come off the board? It's not a terrible strategy. You know, you, you want to draft for talent and trade for need, right? The problem, though, is that everybody needs running back it's just the positional scarcity of that uh, of that of that position uh because you know there's 20 maybe 20 running backs that we feel pretty good about right now if, if you want you could probably you could maybe stretch it to 24 25 but every team needs at least two and probably every team wants three or four right so that that kind of pushes up the value of those running backs whereas at receiver you can go 40 maybe even 50 deep and still feel pretty good about the guys that you're going to be starting on a weekly basis so the reason to draft running back before the the receivers that aren't the you know Jamar Chase level prospect is is just because of that that positional value and the fact and also the fact that they typically will have success earlier than the wide receivers except for those really elite prospects right uh, so it gives you an opportunity to increase their value and uh, you know trade them for something else if you want to so the drafting the running backs ahead of the wide receivers that have a little bit of question marks uh, can can be profitable but you know, we like young wide receivers in Dynasty for sure. Well, and I like I think long term, there's significantly less risk with Devontae Smith and to a certain extent Waddle too. But there, I I'm a little concerned about what their rookie years look like. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we're we still have questions about both of their quarterbacks. And so I I don't think it's outside of the range of the possibilities this year. They they don't really have a major injury, but they have. 650 receiving yards or something and all of a sudden that's 
nobody's really wanting to give you a top five or six rookie pick for them because they would like to see something first. Well, look, I'm yeah, just, I'm just saying ahead, that the last time three wide receivers were taken in the top 10, it was Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross. So, <laughs> you know, just, uh, just keep that in mind, everybody. Okay, now what were you saying, Matt? Uh, uh, no, I was just going to gonna reiterate what, what Heath said there, that, you know, if, if wide receivers will typically hold some value, especially the ones that are drafted highly, you know, it took, I guess not necessarily John Ross, but Mike Williams definitely held his value for a while. Corey Davis was still, you know, a very attractive player in the second and third year. Um, so there is some truth to that. It's just, just that positional scarcity for me. The running backs are just the cheapest place to acquire a running back is in the rookie draft. Cause like once they become elite, you know, once they become elite assets, you can't pry them for less than two first in most cases, right? Uh, even even the older players like 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 Dalvin Cook, who, who I saw was in your poll, like you're not going to get him for a single first round pick in most cases. So uh, the, the running back, I think, should be the last piece you add to your 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 championship run, just because we value that youth. And then the cheapest place to do that is in the rookie draft. Okay, so then let's let's just go through one more tier here. Make sure we have time for some buy low and sell high, and then those Twitter polls you mentioned and all that. Uh, I'll put Rashad Bateman in this next tier. Then we'll put him in the fourth tier with Elijah Moore for the Jets, Rondale Moore for the Cardinals, Terrace Marshall, wide receiver for the Panthers, and then Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. You got three quarterbacks off the board here: Lawrence, Lance, Fields. But four wide receivers: Bateman, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, and then Lawrence, Lance, and Fields. What kind of impact are you expecting uh, from this group? Are we looking, especially the wide receivers, with Bateman, the two Moores, and Marshall? Are we looking at guys that you think could be great or could be number two receivers? What do you think? I, I think all of these guys have a chance to be great. Uh, more, both Moors are, are two of my favorite players in this draft. You know, the the Jets are tough because because of just because of the history we have with that team, right? But we have to keep in mind it's a new coaching staff, it's a new quarterback, all that stuff. So, and, and Elijah Moore has all the potential in the world to play. Uh, you know, he's going to start out in the slot, obviously, but I think he has some potential to play outside. And then Rondale Moore is my favorite player in the entire draft. And he land if he didn't. I'm, I'm a Packer fan, so if he couldn't land with the Packers, I think the the Cardinals are. Uh, are probably the best is probably the best place for him. You know, they, they have that horizontal offense. It's going to be so fun to watch those two little guys and Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore out there doing their thing. Right. <laughs> so he, he has potential, I think, to be just like a PPR cheat code. Uh, and then Terrace Marshall, you know, he fell a little bit, I think was due to some med- medical issues that that aren't really a concern. Uh, and land in a place with two other very good receivers. But I think he could, you know, potentially take over for Robbie Anderson. Probably not in year one, but, you know, the second half of year one, he's going to get a lot more play. And we hope Sam Bradford is going to be rejuvenated with with Joe Brady there. Uh, so those receivers, I think all of them have the potential to jump into that next tier, uh, a tier above them. It's just they have a, a few more question marks than those 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 guys above them. Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall are the two guys that I'm having a hard time not getting irrationally excited about. I know, right? I really like both of them. When I I I can see myself in the mirror saying you like them more than you should. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but I do think the the interesting question with Lawrence is if like what do you think is the highest someone can reasonably take him in a rookie draft if quarterback is their biggest need? I think the top of this tier. I think I think right after the top seven there, I think it's reasonable to consider Lawrence if, if you need a quarterback. Or even if you don't, if it's a luxury pick, maybe you're set up, maybe you're a, a, a contender who has an old quarterback 
uh, and you're stacked everywhere else and you just want to secure the future, I think it's reasonable to go there. So, uh, yeah, the, all, all three of these quarterbacks, I think, are, are, are reasonable end of the first round picks. I, I don't know if I personally would do it uh, just because it, it's it's really easy to stream quarterbacks, even in even in Dynasty uh, in a one quarterback format, it's pretty easy to do in most cases. And, and if not, if I don't want to spend my first round pick on a quarterback in a rookie draft, I can probably go s- trade my second round pick for almost any quarterback that isn't in the top, you know, eight to 10 players so it just depends on where you want to spend that money if you rather to take more of a lottery pick on one of these receivers that could could really break out or if you want to spend that on you know locking down your quarterback position for the next however many years decade whatever we're going to take a quick break on fantasy football today when we come back i'll I'll ask matt and heath players that they want to target in the second and the third rounds of their dynasty drafts the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're back here on Fantasy Football Today, joined by Matt Price, senior writer for Dynasty League Football, zookeeper as well. We hope to have time to ask him some more crazy zoo (laughs) stories and not the depressing ones that I asked about. So, all right, now we're done with, uh, I'll just recap everybody, the tiers that we went through. Tier one was Chase and Pitts. Tier two was ETN and Harris. Tier three was Waddle, Javante Williams, and Devante Smith. And then tier four, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, and the first three quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. So now we're done with basically a round. And who are some of your favorite players that are going to go late in the second and third rounds of Dynasty Drafts? I mentioned Diami Brown earlier. Uh, Amari Rogers is very interesting. If if Aaron Rodgers does come back, that seems like a big question mark right now. I think that could be a disastrous situation for Amari Rodgers if it is Jordan Love uh, under center. Uh, uh, Kadarius Tony, I'm coming around on. I think I'm probably still lower than on him than most people, but he does have that first round draft capital. For me, the 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 situation is a little bit murky with all of those receivers there. But uh, Paul Pertichese over the Saturday, Saturday to Sunday podcast, uh, he he pointed out, you know, that that it could be very well that the rest of those guys are gone next season, and including Jason Garrett. If you're not thrilled with his, you know, you know, creative play calling, that might be a little bit overblown because he could just be gone. And going into 2022, it could just be Galladay and Kadarius Tony there. So I, I probably have him a little bit too low. And then Amon St. Brown, Ross St. Brown, he's very interesting just because of the situation. There's no no reliable receivers there in, in Detroit. You know, you have Hawkinson and as the as the only really reliable receiver. And then uh, the other guys uh, are just 
you know, they're, they're more mostly deep ball threats. So Jerry Goff, we know, likes that intermediate target uh, with Cooper Cup, one of my favorite players. So you don't want to say that Amon Ra St. Brown is the next Cooper Cup necessarily, but he, I think he has the potential to be that kind of safety blanket for, for Jerry Goff. And, and I think it's so dependent on your draft, um, but there are going to be a lot of drafts where one of, or maybe two, of Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall or Rashad Bateman are there early in the second round. Um, that, that's going to happen a lot. Uh, when they don't, I I still like Trey Sermon, largely because I like running backs who are going to eventually get a chance in San Francisco. <laughs> that usually works out if you get the ball handed to you in San Francisco. And then I, I, I agree completely about St. Brown. He's a guy who might have been early in the third round in a different situation with the NFL draft. Now I think I, I really like him in the middle of the second round. And he might jump up after year one just because of the volume he sees to someone who someone views as like a top five or six wide receiver from this class. And so and I think he might be a top five or six receiver in terms of rookie production. So, yeah, I, li- I like St. Brown quite a bit. And I don't have any problem at all with taking Justin Fields early in the second either. I, when you look at Amon or St. Brown, and I know there's a lot of reason to to like the landing spot and all that stuff, uh, but he was a fourth round pick, and he was yep. the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I think I lost count. I think he was the sixteenth wide receiver selection selected, something like that. That there's not a lot of hits on guys who are selected that late at the position, but this was, I guess, a pretty good class. But there aren't that many great players that come out of day three. I, I say that all the time. So why not? take a shot on Zach Wilson or Mac Jones ahead of Amonra St. Brown, ahead of Nico I, Collins, De- even Deami Brown, who I know you're pretty high on. Uh, Heath, did I cut you off there? Did you want to jump in there? Well, I did because I like for me, and I think the Deami Brown for sure, like for sure, you can have that conversation and you can have the conversation about, well, not a whole lot of other guys once you get to the middle of the second, because <laughs> you get to about pick 21 and I just don't want to play anymore. Um, but <laughs> For Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, if you're in a one-quarterback league, I don't know that they have the upside to ever be a pot. Like, if I'm starting them, I'm still going to have one of the worst quarterbacks in the league at that point. It's just that Zach Wilson was the number two pick as a top twelve quarterback. He was the number two pick in the draft. I mean, there are a lot of really bad players who went number quarterbacks who went number two overall. I get that, but right, I mean. You know, he was the second best player at his position, not the 16th best. I don't know that that his do, upside. Do you think that he has the upside to be a top six quarterback? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I'm not in year one. Gosh, definitely not. Is that what you meant or you meant overall? No, I don't. I, I don't. And I could be wrong. I just don't see that as really a very likely. Like, No, I wouldn't say it's likely. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I think, I think he has more chance to be relevant and top 12 than... Amonra St. Brown or Deami Brown do? Because I, I think at that point, they're top 12 for sure. But I start like you need to start the top 40 wide receivers. Right. But a top 12. Yeah. OK. But I think a top 12 quarterback, I think Zach Wilson is going to have a better chance to be fantasy relevant than Amonra St. Brown after year one. After year I just one. Th- I, I just think you need to 
you need to go after if you're if in a one quarterback league, there are so few difference makers at the position. And can those two guys be a difference maker? Not neither of them are going to run nearly as much as the other three quarterbacks in this draft. And let me just read you. I mean, the list of the top quarterbacks is ridiculous. And it's Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. And then we got Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, and then Justin Fields. You know, I just don't, it, it just seems so hard for those two to crack uh, uh, that spot. The, the one, the one thing I will say though, is that historically, even in one quarterback leagues, rookie quarterbacks drafted highly increase their value from year one to year two. Um, even ones that don't necessarily perform well in their rookie year. So there, you do have that feather in your hat. I just don't see the the, the rushing upside from those two to be yeah. a true difference maker in one quarterback. We're, I think an interesting guy, and we'll, we're going to transition to buy lows in just a minute. So this is me making that transition for Adam. Great. Um, Tua, <laughs> I have noticed that it doesn't seem like any, like I'm in a, a startup right now. And he was like the 22nd quarterback or something taking that. It does not seem like anybody has any interest in Tua right now. I don't value Wilson or Mac Jones anywhere close to Tua. Agree. Like, and so like, that's the thing. Like, and I still don't know if Tua is going to be good or not, but he has, I'm more excited about having him on a roster than I am. Either of those two. hundred percent. I don't really like Mac Jones much. Um, I, I'm very happy he didn't go third overall because it would have made me feel like I was a total idiot because I trust the Niners organization and um, he was never really in play for them. I so I, I you know he's not a it doesn't seem like he's a special quarterback. I I listened to what all the experts had to say and all the experts were like yeah this guy's really good he's got he's super smart but he's not a top ten pick you know and he didn't go there so that's fine. Um, but Zach Wilson I think I, I feel like we're selling him a little bit short just because he went to I honestly think it's because he went to the Jets and the Jets have such a I mean they're just a bad franchise but well he had questions though about like. There, there's plenty His to question about him just as a I mean, prospect. I can, we, can, we can talk about him as a prospect if you want to. Yeah, I don't please. know how deep you want to get. But, uh, and I do have a... I do have a personal bias against him. I just, I, I think his decision making is extremely questionable. He's overconfident in his arm. Uh, there's several plays. I think one was against Houston where it was this little flea flicker and he threw it into coverage while there was a guy sitting in the end zone. So I just don't think he sees the whole field well. And then he does this little like jump throw, like this jump throw back across his body that's just going to, I just think, I don't think it's going to work in the NFL. So I think early on in his career, he's going to have to be more hidden than featured if that makes any sense like you're gonna have to hide his mistakes more than you're gonna be able to feature his assets so uh he could develop absolutely but i don't i just it's so tough to to see success for him in year one i agree in year one but i, I think the the jets i don't think they're gonna have a very good offense this year but you can you can certainly see them having a good offense at some point soon 20 maybe it's 2022 they they've invested in their offensive line they invested in wide receiver they hopefully have found their answer at quarterback they may not be a bad offense for much longer and they're getting and they got rid of adam gay so that's good um all right so let's go to, to the bylows I, I guess Heath, you just made your case for Tua. anyone else you want to talk about um yeah i um and some of these are just like It'll be more interesting probably to hear everyone else's because I have talked about these guys quite a bit. Um, but I'm buying low right now based on what the consensus rankings are on Lamar Jackson, on Josh Jacobs, and on Juju Smith-Schuster. 
And I, I, I looked at the consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros. I don't know exactly what ADP is, but in, in the startup, they were pretty close to what just happened. Um, Josh Jacobs is an end of the fourth round pick. Um, Juju is a early round six pick. And Lamar Jackson was quarterback five behind Kyler, Josh Allen, and uh, I think Dak. And I just think, like, I think Lamar is the most likely quarterback over the next three to five years to be the second best quarterback in fantasy. And I still believe Juju and Jacobs are still young. And that feels like they're almost going later in dynasty than they are in redraft. And I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Okay. And uh, you want to follow up on that matter? Do you want to give your own list? I mean, I can comment on that. I think Juju's a good call. He is, I don't have the May uh, ADP for DLF yet, uh, but in April he was going off uh, as the 49th player overall. So just the early, early fifth round. Um, and, you know, I, I just think it's hard to separate him from Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I just don't know how you separate that production for those three for this season, but he only signed that one-year deal and he could certainly be moving on to better uh, pastures next year uh, and you know he's only 24 years old so I, I like that call quite a bit um, for and, and then for for Lamar Jackson I never moved him from quarterback too I, I know he's been moving up and down dynasty rankings uh, you know all the way down to like seven in some cases at the quarterback position I don't I don't know I don't see it so uh, always been been two for me do you want me to just go right into my I would my say that I would probably take Kyler Murray over over him and I think it's, I can see it yeah I mean, he's gonna run for a lot more yards tier. than Josh Allen uh, it's it's tough. It's tough in redraft and it's tough in dynasty. And I'd probably take Zach Wilson over all of them anyway. So of course, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Who are your bylaws, Matt? Uh, I I have a bunch, so, so I'll just throw some names out there. Uh, a lot of the second year receivers that kind of disappointed a little bit. You know, Judy, we we didn't feel as good about. You know, he was the the second in the class, number one for some people last season over over C D Lamb. Uh, but Judy, I think, is is interesting. Uh, Rager was was injured. Now he doesn't have to be the number one necessarily. Uh, Michael Pittman, they didn't really add anything to the to the receiving game for for Indianapolis. So he profiles. He could be a number one. I think he's better as a number two, but he could he could be a number one uh, in that particular offense if he'll. he'll and continues to slide and then a little bit deeper Gabriel Davis and Buffalo kind of came on at the end of the season they did add Emmanuel Sanders but you know long term Gabriel Davis is probably the two there uh, Darnell Mooney just got a significant quarterback upgrade uh, Brian Edwards we're not really talking about uh, I, I kind of like him more than Henry Druggs to be honest with you and 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 again Oakland didn't really or excuse me Las Vegas didn't really do uh, much to help out that passing game so he's interesting for year two and then even deeper uh, we'll go to Donovan Peoples-Jones who flashed a little bit at the end of the season uh, for Cleveland so if that passing game continues to take a step forward he's very interesting. Matt I, I had two questions and the first was because I love the calls of both Judy and Pittman where would you rank them compared to this year's rookies as far as wide rookie wide receivers um they would be below chase for sure uh but you know and that next and the next group i think definitely I, I would probably yeah i think i would have the i would have judy for sure in the same tier as waddle and devonta smith and and rager probably just just right below that that area so uh and then Pittman, yeah probably about that same range i would say I, I would rather have rondell Moore, probably but you know definitely would be still in the first round i think um we are uh it seems to be on twitter it's it's michael hardman week so <laughs> is he a buy low or a sell high 
<laughs> I, I, I don't think he's necess- I mean, if he's either of those, he's probably a buy low. I don't think he's a sell high unless the, the hype is, is higher than I've, I, I've, I've seen so far. Um, but I don't mind buying him. He's just, I don't know. I think, I don't think his true value is going to be unlocked unless we miss some time with, with Tyreek Hill, you know? So I just don't know if he's that reliable number two. Some people have been talking about Byron Pringle. I don't know. They seem to like him, but uh, what, who, then they drafted somebody late to Cornell Powell Cornell or something Powell. like that. Yeah. So I don't know. The, the opportunity definitely seems to be there, but can he capitalize it on it? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Can you tell me where I have two by suggestions and I'll, I'll kind of frame it and uh, you know, you need some context. James Robinson and DJ Moore. Do you have that ADP up from April where well, Robinson yes. is obviously, you know, his is definitely plummeted. Right. I'm, I'm sure in May, but let me tell you, see, find out where he is right now. And I will look and see where he just went in this startup. Okay. Uh, you know, look, I, I don't know if you should have super high expectations for James Robinson, but if I would probably give up a third round pick in a rookie only draft for him, if I just oh, yeah. need some oh, run, yeah. running sure. back depth this year, and people might think that he's going to be completely useless. I don't think that's the case, at least not early in the year. He went um, the first pick of round six. Okay. In this startup post draft startup. That feels a little yeah, he- steep. He he went much earlier in in, in April ADP obviously right. running back twenty in the end of the third round so that is definitely falling quite a bit I think I think the seventh round is probably closer to true value once you get past uh, the other back end you know guys that like the, the twenty to twenty four guys like uh, Jacobs where he is currently David Montgomery Chris Carson once you get into that range I think after those guys he like before James before Melvin Gordon for instance I think I right. would probably take him before then so kind of in that late twenties to thir- early thirties range at running it, back it was an interesting run because Carson actually went right before him hmm. and then it went Robinson Sermon Michael Carter oh I think I'd definitely take Carter over Robinson. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, it's we've tough. never, we've never like Michael Carter didn't just lose his job, so that's good. But I don't know that Michael Carter ever has really the potential to do what James Robinson did last year. Probably no. not. But I don't think James Robinson has the potential to do what James Robinson did last year <laughs> anymore. You know, obviously, if ETN gets hurt, it's a different story. Uh, I just think there are enough enough draft analysts that loved Michael Carter that I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And I guess I'm a Jets fan all of a sudden. It seems like you're a Jets fan. <laughs> uh, what about DJ Moore? Because DJ Moore is only 24 years old, just like Juju. He's been top 10 in receiving yards two straight seasons. That is really the only thing you need to know. I, he's really good. Uh, just doesn't catch enough touchdowns. But um, I don't know when that problem is going to be solved. I don't know if it's going to be this year. But when did I, DJ Moore go? Or when was his ADP last year? And Heath, when did he go in the draft? Uh, yeah, I don't think he has a buy low at all. I don't think the dynasty community is giving up on DJ Moore in any shape, fashion, or form. He was a second round pick in this startup. Yeah, in April, wide receiver nine and the late third, okay. late second round pick, early third round pick. I, we're not giving up on DJ Moore. So, so then let me yeah. let me spin that to redraft because I think the dynasty community knows what DJ Moore's potential is. When I see him going in round four or five, I think in redraft leagues, he still feels like a great value to me. Anyway. 
Um, so I like him. Uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, sell high, sell high. Uh, Heath, you said one of my two guys that I was going to suggest is definitely a sell high. And the two guys I had were Devontae Adams with this whole Aaron Rodgers uh, uncertainty and also the fact that he'll be 29 years old at the end of the year. He'll be 29 in December. And Travis Kelsey, who will be 32 years old in October. Uh, Matt, I believe, mentioned it earlier. Five straight seasons <clears throat> as the number one tight end in PPR leagues. I would guess... I would guess that in the modern era of fantasy football, whatever the hell that means, there has never been a player that has finished number one at his position five straight years other than Travis Kelsey. But which one is the sell high, Adams I or Kelsey? I think you just said that Travis Kelsey is the greatest fantasy football player of all time. Um, he's up. He's got to be up there. He's not about Rushmore. As far as impact goes relative to his position, that might just be true. I also think, like... Even if you're contending this year, Travis Kelsey is probably the best sell high because it seems like for a lot of people, I think in our startup, he went in the second round. And that's, we did a startup mock just a month ago. And I think he went at the end of round one. And I like that. I'm the guy who like really pushes Travis Kelsey in the first round and redraft. But in Dynasty, it's like, if you do that, then you better just start drafting, just forget about age and use your redraft rankings and win a title this year. And if I don't have a good team around Kelsey, like he is my top priority to get rid of. He, he may be number one again this year, but it's very, very close to the end of that run. I, I want to compare. I did this a few months ago when we talked Dynasty. I want to compare him to Tony Gonzalez because Tony, so Kelsey's going to turn 32 in October and he only has 111 games played. When Tony Gonzalez turned 32, he had played 174 games through his age 31 season. So a little bit less wear and tear, on, a lot less on Kelsey than Gonzalez. And where did Tony Gonzalez finish in PPR leagues after turning 32, which is what Kelsey will be this year? One thing to note before I even give these numbers, he only played one more year with Kansas City, and then he went to Atlanta for the final five years of his career. He was, starting at age 32, Tony Gonzalez was tight end one, tight end six, tight end six, tight end four, tight end two, and tight end four in his last six seasons. So he never finished lower than sixth. He finished fourth or better four of the six seasons. He finished first or second twice. Uh, I'm certainly not saying Kelsey will do that, but it is just interesting to know that Gonzalez, who played a lot more games and changed teams, um, was really damn good uh, as a tight end going forward. So I don't know. Matt, what do you think about Kelsey? When would when would you draft him in a redraft league? In a redraft league, I'm I sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In, in, a, in, a, in a startup dynasty league, my bad. In a startup dynasty, I'm probably. It really depends because I have plenty of teams that are strong competitors that are all old, you know that kind of thing. But I think from at this point in, in a dynasty league, especially in the first few rounds where you're going to have to take Kelsey, I want to take players who have a chance to increase in value, and that's not Kelsey. He could certainly maintain value. Um, because we don't care about age as much as the tight end position, like you just m mentioned with with uh, another Hall of Famer there, right? So I think there's an argument for it. I personally wouldn't do it. I do think Heath is right, though, that if you want to maximize your return on Kelsey, like now is the time to do it after coming off a historic season, five straight years of the tight end one overall. Like this is the time to do it. Is he still going to be a top five tight end this year? Absolutely. Probably next year, maybe the year after that. So he can still be a key piece of a, of a dynasty, a, a dynasty, dynasty team, right? Uh, over the next few years, if we're going to play in this two to three year window, um, but maximizing return, I think you got to sell them uh, this season. Who are you selling high on, Matt? 
I've got a handful. Some of these I think are probably pretty obvious, though. I think uh, all of the running backs that uh, avoided getting usurped by one of the top rookies. So that's Miles Gaskin. Uh, you know, again, he'll probably have a very good season this year, but one injury, uh, one injury, his value is done. Any any kind of an unproductive streak, his value is is, is gone. Same with Mike Davis. Uh, you mentioned that news blurb earlier. Uh, and then Chase Edmonds. I This one is really interesting because I think Chase, Chase Edmonds is considered a big winner in this draft. All three of these guys really, right? But Chase Edmonds specifically because they didn't add anybody of significance. They added James Conner, but we don't really know what to expect about him. But if James Conner ends up being the short yardage and goal line back and taking that aspect away from Chase Edmonds uh, and then Rondale Moore kind of becomes an extension of the running game as that, that short area target, taking away those short receptions for Edmonds, then he could be in a really bad spot. So while these three guys look like winners coming out of the draft, I want to go ahead and take the opportunity uh, to get out now while their value is probably the highest. The best time to do it would have been before the draft, but this is the second best time. Time. Uh, and then one last guy, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who I, I do like as a player, but I just he broke out when all of those parts in in San Francisco were were hurt. Right, Kittle was out, Debo was out, uh, so I, and Ayuk flourished. So with both of those guys back healthy, with a new quarterback, where they might want to do a little bit more uh, running, even more than they did last last season, then he seems to be somebody who might fall a little bit from uh, year one to year two in terms of his value. And, I, and I've got one more that Adam will hate, so that's what I like to bring to the table. <laughs> uh, Mike Evans, I think. I, I I know, Adam, you're right. He's always good for fantasy, um, and he has been, but he's a he's a 28-year-old receiver. I don't know what his um, current ADP is, but he went wide receiver 12 in this recent startup we just did, and I think that's pretty close to where his consensus ranking is as well. If you're 28 years old and you're wide receiver 12 in Dynasty, then you had better be a top four or five Dynasty wide receiver this year and next year, I'm hoping. Um, and I just don't think he is that. The targets last year were awful. The yards, I mean, he's got one year in his last four with more than 1,150 yards, which is like that's good, but that's a borderline top 12 wide receiver. We know the touchdowns aren't going to repeat themselves, and it's so crowded in Tampa Bay and so uncertain with Tom Brady over how long this is going to last. I would like to get if I could get top twelve value for Mike Evans in Dynasty. I would love that. I, he is. I yeah. I don't hate. I don't hate that at all. He's he's twenty wide receiver twenty in April ADP. I'm guessing he's fallen uh, okay. since then so a little bit. Lower. So yeah. yeah, he is lower there. And I think you could make a case for even moving him lower than that. Like the guy you mentioned earlier, Heath Juju is just below him. Chase Claypool just below him. Devontae Smith just below him. Cortland Salt Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay. I mean, I think there's an there's an argument to move him even lower than than that. So. I've got him twenty eight. Yeah, that seems fair. That probably feels low to me. <laughs> But because I just think he's, I think he's uh, not talked about as one of the best wide receivers in football. But his produ- production, he's not one of the very best. But his production is uh, ridiculous. I mean, a thousand yards every year of his career. Um, I love the, I love the offense. I love the quarterback who's going to be there for a long time. It seems. Um, <laughs> but week to week, you know, like he is maddening week to week. He was, he was this past year. Uh, I think this was a fairly, it was a pretty inconsistent year. I don't really know what to make of that. I just know that at the end of the year, he's going to have 1,000 yards and could have eight touchdowns. So I'm probably going to be higher than him than most in, in redraft leagues. But 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying in Dynasty. I get it. He should not be the 12th wide receiver taken in a startup Dynasty league for sure. Uh, I want to throw this out there on Devontae Adams. Just the last time he played without Aaron Rodgers, I was surprised. I didn't remember how good he was. He had he played eight games. Rodgers threw, I think, four passes in that Minnesota game in 2017, So, uh, and he didn't throw any touchdowns or anything. So I included that as a game without Aaron Rodgers. And those eight games that year, Devontae Adams had 46 catches, 543 yards, five touchdowns on 71 targets. So that's 92 catches, nearly 1,100 yards, and 10 touchdowns on 142 targets over 16 games. Brett Hundley was his quarterback. He had a 70.6 passer rating that season. And an aging Jordy Nelson. Nelson only played one more year. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were both on that team. Adams only played 14 games, and he led the team in receiving. He led the team in touchdowns. Um, he played eight of those games without Aaron Rodgers, so I was surprised. That was really, I mean, he hadn't really completely busted out yet. You know, it's been the last three years for him since that year where he's been one of the the elite wide receiver in fantasy, you could argue. So uh, that was interesting. He did great with Brett Hundley at quarterback in 2017. He might not have Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback uh, much longer. So uh, just that those are just numbers to know. He is great, but he is also 28 years old. It will be 29 in December. Let's take a look at these uh, Twitter polls to compare some of the rookies to some of the veterans. I wish I had, if I had been smart, I would have included the age of the in the wide receiver poll. I know I did it in the rookie poll. But the first one was, who is your favorite in a dynasty league? Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, or Tyreek Hill? And who, Heath, who do you think won this poll? I would assume, I'm going to guess Tyreek Hill. You're correct. He had 50% of the vote, 49%. And it was basically even between Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase, between 25.3% and 25.8%. Um, who would you take, Hill, Adams, or Chase? I would uh, take Adams. Yeah, I, I I, mean, you know, you, I know you put all those stats out there with Aaron, with him missing, without Aaron Rodgers, but... If it's Aaron Rodgers, it, then it's Devontae Adams. And if it's not, I think it's Tyreek Hill. But, you know, Jamar Chase is really good. And if you're building from a youth approach, then I could see Chase above both of them as well. And yeah, look, those stats were good, but they weren't amazing. It was 1,100 yards yeah. and, and 10 touchdowns. That's going to be great. But he's could be he could be even better than that, obviously. Um, I think, I think yeah. most Dynasty players probably have Tyreek above him at this point anyway. You know, a, a slot or two. All right, who's your favorite in the Dynasty League? I will use the age they will be by the middle of the 2021 season. Dalvin Cook, age 26. Najee Harris, age 23. Alvin Kamara, age 26. DeAndre Swift, age 22. So you've got Cook and Kamara, age 26. Harris at age 23. And DeAndre Swift at age 22. And the results, pretty even in this poll. Heath, who did you vote for and who did you mean to vote for? I accidentally voted for DeAndre Swift, I meant to vote for Dalvin Cook, but those two are both in my top five, and my confidence in my ability to win in 2021 would be the tiebreaker between the two. But I obviously love Swift. Yeah, well, they are in first and second place. People would rather have, according to this poll, DeAndre Swift ahead of Alvin Kamara and Najee Harris. So it went Cook 32%, Swift 28%, Kamara 24%, Harris 16%. I would probably have Kamara up ahead of Swift if we if they approved the rule request to ban Taysom Hill from playing quarterback. <laughs> um, but I just believe Sean Payton's going to choose Taysom Hill. Matt, what do you think about Cook, Harris, Kamara, and Swift? Yeah, Kamara is is still number one for me. Uh, 
he he had one good game with Taysom Hill, <laughs> so That's true. I'm, I'm still confident. And you know, he's uh, between the two older guys and Kamara and Cook. I just have I have more faith in Kamara's ability to to stay stay healthy. He seems to be someone who is very good at shedding, uh, you know, those big hits. Whereas Dalvin Cook takes big hits all the time. And either one of these guys, though, one significant injury to them this year, and their their dynasty value is tanked. Like this is this is pretty much the last season. You know, kind of similar to the Kelsey Kelsey conversation if you want to get peak value on these guys now is the time to sell even if you might uh miss out on, a, on an elite season this year okay so you go Kamara number one and it, yeah. is there any case for harris for Najee harris over deandre swift swift is actually younger than harris i don't think so at this point i mean just l- like the team that they're on that's the only thing i think you can you can really hang your hat on there right is you know running backs on good teams are typically better than running backs on bad teams uh, so you could hang your hat on that, but otherwise, I don't think so. Counterpoint, Anthony Lynn. <laughs> Fair. Like, Fair. That's, you know, but that's like, that's it. Because, And I don't know, like the Lions are probably going to have a better offensive line this year, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. They they appear to have a very good offensive or a above average offensive line. They might um, have a better quarterback. And the Steelers, <laughs> the Steelers Ooh. have um, one of the, last year they had one of the worst. And I don't know that it's getting any better. Maybe addition by subtraction. I'm trying to find the stat. I I have it in some note of mine somewhere. But the you're you're absolutely right, Matt. That running back running backs on good teams are better. You know, it's better to be on a good team than a bad team. But I think because running backs catch a lot of passes now more more than ever. It was a little bit of a step back last year. It's less important. So I just looked in in PPR leagues. I looked over the last five or six seasons how many. How many running backs finished top 12 while not being on a top 12 offense? Something like that. The bottom line is it keeps going up. It was like three, then four, then five, then five, something like that. So it's easier now. Christian McCaffrey is living proof. They've had Mm -hmm. a kind of 20th-ish ranked offense recently. Uh, It's easier now to be an elite running back on a not great offense than it ever was. Okay, scariest zoo story. Scariest zoo story, and then I'll let you go. Go back to sleep. <laughs> uh, like personally, it, my personal scariest zoo story is not not super exciting. Uh, I had uh, when I was an intern in twenty in, in two thousand. Geez, that's been a long time. When I was an intern at the San Francisco Zoo, uh, I worked in the the children's zoo area, and uh, we had this big steer that we would halter up and walk from place to place. Uh, and I was kind of, you know, I was at the point where I was getting kind of complacent and, you know, not maybe not necessarily paying a hundred percent to what I was doing when putting his halter on and also talking to a guest at the same time. And he did one of these like bucks, buck ups with his head and, and kind of threw me to the ground and oh. then kind of stood over me with his horns, like <laughs> just basically right at my face and like breathing that, you know, you see from the cartoons, the bull exhales and that big puff of, of, uh, uh of exhale comes out. And, and that's what, that's what it was. That was my scariest zoo moment as an intern. So, you know, nothing scary with any of the polar bears or any of the really, really actual scary animals. But, uh, I definitely, uh, was, was afraid in that moment. Yeah. I'm afraid right now. Just hearing the story. <laughs> Heath, any zoo questions? You know, I I thought you had a whole list, so I was just kind of sitting here coasting, enjoying the just, uh, enjoying the answers. So I find I it so fascinating. I mean, zoos are great. I can't wait to go to the zoo. We can go to the Bronx Zoo pretty soon. Um, 
Yeah. Anything like what's the what's your do you have a favorite animal to work with or anything? My favorite animals are are, are currently is polar bear. My second favorite animal is maybe one that people don't know as much about. It's called a taper. T-A-P-I-R. They're uh, my favorite variety is the Malayan taper. They're the black and white ones. Uh, I can tell a quick like kind of heartwarming story about those guys if you want. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Heath and I were just talking about Malayan tapers the other day. So this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with uh, help raise uh, one in uh at the woodland park zoo in seattle about uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago at this point and kind of the the general thinking about hoofstock or animals that have hooves are they're not super intelligent right they're they're herd animals uh and, and tapers are not herd animals but they do qualify as hoofstock so t- typically they're they're viewed as something that's not quite as smart as maybe a, a primate of course or a carnivore or whatever but uh, there was one morning I remember there was, it was like a, a fall more, a fall morning. And there was like one piece of, uh, one, one, one piece of browse a browse is like a, 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 a piece of a tree, like a branch with some leaves on it. Right. So there was one piece left on this one tree. And, uh, I heard, I, I looked out in the yard and I saw the mom kind of sitting like a dog would sit. If you can picture how a dog sits kind of like that. Uh, and tapers, the way they communicate vocally is with these little whistles and chirps. So I heard her whistle and chirp uh, and the baby came over. The mom could just not, the brow, the piece of brows uh, was just, the foliage was just, just out of, out of her reach. So she whistled, brought the kid over. The kid kind of went up on her, on his, on her front two legs, put him on mom's shoulders and was able to grab that last piece of brows and they shared it together. So you have, you know, quote unquote, dumb animals doing problem solving things to be able to feed themselves in, in unique ways. So I thought that was pretty neat. Well, that's really cool. That's yeah. That that is a great story. That's like he, me and Heath making a draft pick together. Dumb <laughs> animals doing some problem solving. Yeah. And we got some video for those of you who are listening. If you want to go to YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football today, you can see that was Schrager, Shraggy B putting up uh, the Malayan taper. That was a good stuff. Fancy step. graphics here. Good job, Schrager. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I would like to have a, an all zoo episode at one point, but we'll probably have to sprinkle in some dynasty next time we have you on as well. But we really appreciate it. Thanks for getting up and uh, thanks for giving us all this info and tell us how we can follow you and, and you know what to listen to and all that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. I love talking dynasty and rookies anytime. You can follow me at Matt Price FF on Twitter. All of my works over at dynastyleaguefootball.com. I do the, the flagship episode with Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Uh, and then also do Dynasty Game Night, which is kind of like a, a, a game show based on fantasy football. Uh, so if you're into game shows, that might be a show you'd be interested in, in checking out. Uh, yeah, everything's on at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I have participated in Dynasty Game Night, and I I think um, Adam, this that's that's a program that you should subscribe to because Adam has tried to play <laughs> some uh, some games on this uh, podcast before, and yeah, I was. Uh, I, mean, I, think I almost they, brought some to play with you guys, but I wasn't sure if there was time. Uh, I think they they would call me as a game as a game show host. They would call me uh, Hoofstock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a callback. Exactly. Um, that is Matt Price, Ed Heath Cummings, and Ben Schrager. I am Adam Azer. It's our longest episode in a while, but it was a dynasty episode, so we better go over time for that. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll come back later this week to react to the schedule. We got uh, time for your emails and Apple Podcast questions as well. Talk to you soon. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am.
and playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.